DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain, having an end-of-season sale on the Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchase. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. What do you guys got going on up there? You got quarterbacks walking off the field and <laughs> quitting. What are you guys doing up there? Well, we've got. I want to get to that with you because uh, I've been uh, I've been stalking you. I've been cyber stalking you, Lincoln. Oh my goodness! Yes, you help me understand what's going on. I there don't live are... in Salt Lake. I don't live in the, in Utah, and you guys got some stuff going on. We... Other than, other than it being a dry season, a drought, stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. What, there you go. what are you guys doing to the quarterbacks up there? All right, so. You call Raider games, which air on our station. I happen to be in the car, and I want to congratulate you for being a fine analyst and being quiet during the big moments and not wrecking the highlight. Oh, he's a pro. He's a pro. I got in my car like 40 seconds before the ball went over the top, the rugs, and Brent screaming jackpot. And on most broadcasts, there'd be some ex-jock in the background. Oh! Oh! Ah! You know, but no, not you. I was like, that's my guy Lincoln. Disciplined. I like it. It really does make for a better broadcast. He well, talks when he he talks, you talk when you talk. I can actually make sense of what's going on as opposed to two guys screaming over each other. I'm like, well, something exciting happened. Hopefully, they'll explain it later when they calm down. Right. Well, we got to act like you've been there before, right? <laughs> right. So the, the fact is, is that there was there was one instance with when the the touchdown there, there was a there was a touchdown pass to Brian Edwards, and I was looking at I was looking at Brent when I was saying, "Are you going to say jackpot?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "They just scored a touchdown. You're not going to say jackpot." And so we were quiet at that point, and of course, it was called back by a penalty, but. Uh, but but I was like I'm I'm waiting for you to do your thing I'm just going to lay out and let you do your thing but other times it's it, it's it's there where you know like you said you got to act like you've been there before yep <laughs> so I was also watching you because I flipped on the Colorado Minnesota game pack full oh, of curiosity and all that and you <laughs> went after Colorado's O line I was under the distinct impression you were not impressed and I wonder uh, if watching film for the Utes if you were not impressed with their offensive line play well also. you know what I expected more out of the Utes offensive line. No, I was not impressed by Colorado's offensive line because I expected better of them. Um, they could not maintain the integrity of the line of scrimmage. They gave up so much. Um, but with the Utes offensive line in the last couple of games, I, I you know I had a, I had a chance of covering them against Weber State. I thought highly of them going into the season. It's like, oh my goodness, I think they're going to be good. You know, they've always been notoriously uh, historically, uh, Utes have always had big guys up front and good offenses, a pretty solid offensive line. This, you know, the last two games, I've seen them take a step backwards. And I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like I still think Utah is good enough to win the South. Um, I think they are challenging for that, and I think once you get in the league play, obviously this week starting with Wazoo, um, that, that they'll, they'll be able to showcase that. But, you know, going up against BYU, going up against San Diego State, I was just curious to why they, they, they seem to take a couple steps backwards. They weren't as solid as they were before. And I know they've been playing around with it with a few guys here and there and stuff like that. So we're waiting to see if they've got the chemistry right. But look, guys, when it comes to offensive line play, you want to have five guys who've been, been together, played together, suffered together, you know, wins, losses, and everything else, um, play with that sort of cohesiveness and continuity. You can't just, it's not interchangeable parts. You know, Minnesota has a pretty special thing when they were playing Colorado because they've got, they, they feel they've got eight offensive linemen that can start 
at any time. So they've got a rotation, but they use it more. They use their rotation more of a, as a jumble package, where they they'll send in extra offensive linemen who do service tight ends or eligible receivers just to solidify the run game. Um, Utah doesn't have that necessarily uh, a, a, a circumstance, um, but you know, to me, it's one of those things where you're scratching your head, like why aren't these guys better than they were? So maybe they turn it around this week against Wazoo. Yeah, obviously Rising came in and gave him a lift off the bench. You know, I've been around this program. I've been around him to an extent a little bit, and I've always felt like the kids got swag. The players voted him captain. I thought they should have started him. Uh, you want, at least with him, he was a transfer, too, from Texas, yeah. but he came over as a freshman. Right. These guys who come in just for the basically the one and done, they're not really part of the program. They're just here to to showcase their skills and maybe get a look at, at the NFL. And, and we see after three games, he gets benched and boom, he's gone. So he can transfer and try again someplace else. They had it last year with Bentley. I guess it's just the way of the world, and I can complain about it, though, but it, it's probably not going to change, is it? I'm, I've never been a fan of the transfer portal. Um, even when, uh, way back when, um, the last time I did a lot of college football, they had the, the graduate transfers. It, to me, it's amateur free agency. It's nothing more than modern amateur free agency um, because they, they still consider these guys amateurs, whatever. Anyways, um, long story short, uh, I think that there are a lot of guys out there who cannot deal with adversity. When they go to a place, you know, they're promised, you look, when you're being recruited, because I've been through the process, they they make it seem like the game can't go on at our university without you. <laughs> There's no way that we can compete if we don't have you. They make you seem like you are the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and when you go to a place and then you find that, you know what, hey, there are other guys in front of you, there are probably some guys that are behind you or coming in with you that are going to try to compete for the same starting position, you have one or two options. Well, now it's more so one option because guys are transferring. Oh my goodness, I'm not the starting quarterback. I'm leaving. It's, you know, it, it, it's it is the way of the world right now because you know no one can really seem to deal with adversity, or 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 try to you know what? Okay, this guy thinks he's as good as me. Let me beat him out. Now, when you're talking about the quarterback situation for the youths. It wasn't the fact that, you know, it, it, you know, they made a decision after fall camp. They said it was a close battle. But now that Brewer's been demoted, he comes out, he's being replaced. You know, he's like, oh, you know what, I can't do this. I'm leaving. Just, that's, that's weak to me. Yeah. That really is. It, it really is weak to me. I, I wish that there were more people that would stand in and fight the fight rather than just, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, but but it is the way of the world, as you as you mentioned, and unfortunately, I just don't think that you know many kids. It's not just here; it's it's everywhere. It's, right. it, it's with every sport because you see with basketball, college basketball, you see with college football, guys are just jumping ship trying to go somewhere because they think they have a, a leg up to start somewhere else. Well, as you prep for these youth games, and you've already had two here in the first four, you'll probably have more later this year. Yeah, uh, thank you. Talk to Makai. <laughs> yeah, right. Talk to Makai Bernard because there's a running back who could have left. There are times it looked like, yeah. wow, he's how's he ever going to get on the field? Um, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, crazy things happen. Obviously, the ultimate tragedy with Ty Jordan. Uh, but you know, Bernard's out there, and he could have easily hit the transfer portal. So. 
you can talk with him and get a get a different perspective, I think. So as you watch this Utah-Washington State game, we're watching it early in the game. What's the number one thing you were watching to see who's going to win it? A battle of one and two teams and just trying to get back to 500 and get a little momentum. Well, I mean, for Utah, there, there are high expectations because I think they're good enough to challenge for the South. For Wazoo, it's trying to right the ship. Because right now you've got so much controversy surrounding your head coach. And the fact that, you know, you jump out to a double-digit lead on USC and then you end up losing getting smashed, um, uh, you know, by a backup quarterback. It's anyone's guess what's going on with Wazoo. So, you know, when I look at this game, I'm looking to see who responds after an, a loss, after you take an L. Um, because you know, I don't think I, I don't think Wazoo has really the staying power, to definitely to compete in the, in the pack or or to compete in the in the in the, in the north, because um, they just haven't figured it out. I mean, I, I thought I thought better of this team when I watched them play Portland State, just like I thought better of the Utes when I watched them play um, uh, against uh, you know against Weber State. I know it's Weber State and I know it's Portland State, but it is what it is. It's it, their games. So now that you get into conference play, I think Utah is in a better position than, uh, say, Wazoo, because, you know, Wazoo lost a, not only a conference game, but Wazoo lost a game in certain circumstances where they didn't show up in the second half. And, and it's hard to rebound from that, um, especially when you have to go on the road and take on a Utah. The North sucked a couple weeks back, and then last week the South sucked. And you talk about Utah being in it. You can look at it a couple of ways. Well, they're in it to, to possibly win the thing in the South because of the fact that they're pretty good. Or, gosh, everybody sucks, and so why wouldn't <laughs> they be in it? You know what I mean? There's, yeah. I don't know which way to go. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks. But right now, as I look at the South, I suppose outside of Arizona and Colorado, and I think whoever wins that game, that might be their only win in conference. Right. I think that any of those other four teams – could finish first. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure what to expect from teams like UCLA or Arizona State. Um, I think USC, for the most part, is still in a quandary because the coaching decision leaves a sort of a flux where you've got guys in that locker room who are looking to other places rather than looking or focusing on the objective at hand, and that's winning. And so I, I still have to see a little bit more sample size to know what, what we can expect from USC. Look, USC always has talent. It's never been a question of whether they have talent. It's whether or not that they can they can put it together and, and make a great team out of it. Um, so I, I think the South is still up in the air. And that's why I, I still think the solid foundation that is that Utah has, that Coach Whittingham has, is, is probably the best um, uh, the best of product to, to maybe excel and, and separate themselves from the rest of the South. So, turn to the pro game. The Raiders are 2-0, and and they're getting a backup quarterback. Does that matter that much? Do you think they were solid favorites? You felt pretty comfortable, or you don't feel comfortable no matter well, who the Dolphins quarterback I mean, yeah, is? Yeah, you, right? don't, you don't underestimate a, backup, a, a team, even with a backup quarterback, because, look, what Miami is more known for, rather than their offense, as Jacoby Brissett, at quarterback, is the fact that they've got a defense. And they've got a quarterback or a coach who's a coordinator who's who's been creative with his defensive style. And look, last year when these two teams played, I think the Raiders. Uh, I want to say they did six field goals. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but it was quite a few field goals. 
because they struggled once they got the red zone. Um, Miami's defense uh, hunkered down. So, you know, for what it's worth, when it comes to the Raiders, I know that they're two and zero. I know that Derek Carr has had a, a pretty good season so far, but they really don't have a running game. Their offensive line is patched up, you know, kind of put together um, due to injuries and stuff like that. So they're really one-dimensional. And once you get in the red zone, because that area is condensed and, and cut short, it's harder to score in that area. So, you know, this is not a team. I, I think the Raiders are a team that have to score touchdowns in order to be successful. Their defense is playing better. Don't get me wrong. Their defense is playing a lot better than it has in shoes many years I can remember but um, this is still a team that you can't underestimate uh, and, and, and don't be don't be surprised if Miami comes in and tries to establish the run to keep the Raiders on their heels more importantly put the pressure on their offense to have to pass down the field to keep up I said last week, you know, I thought Carr was really rounding into the top of his game and watching him last week. I mean, I think even more so. I mean, I might get, I'm still going to go with Mahomes, but yeah. in the AFC, to, to me so far, and it's just a small sample, but I mean, Carr's looking as good as anybody, although I do acknowledge what you're saying. The absence of a running game does have a concern for me. Yeah, because teams are going to start figuring out things. So, you know, the way that I kind of put it into perspective is that the Raiders are using the short passing game and sideline to sideline passing game, much like Oregon did back in the day where they were going sideline to sideline at the high temple. They're using that as their run game. It's an extended run game where you use tunnel screens, you use, you know, flare routes, you use, you know, short out routes and stuff like that. You're using it. That, that, that is the equivalent of getting your running game started because they don't have one. Yeah. So Darren Waller famously targeted 19 times in the opener, a more yeah. reasonable seven in the second game. But is he the safety blanket? Are they going to go back to him when it really matters and the seven was just kind of a one-off? Yeah, well, here's the thing. If you recognize, if you know anything about Derek Carr, whenever he sees that he's got isolated coverage or one-on-one coverage with Darren Waller, especially when he's split out wide to either side, he's going to go to him. And especially when they have a single high safety. What Derek learned from week one to week two, for example, the Baltimore Ravens bracketed Darren Waller. And they, they, they made sure, they didn't really show it. It wasn't obvious until you look at the film. So I think that's one of the reasons why he didn't go back to him as much in the Pittsburgh game. Because he knew Pittsburgh was going to do the same thing. Mika Fitzpatrick had his eye on number 83 wherever he was on the field. And that's how he got burned by the Ruggs touchdown. Um, because he was thinking that they were going to go to Waller on that third down. Um, but I will say this, it, it's good for the Raiders, it's good for Derek Carr to be able to notice that there are other receivers on the field. And they used their 13 personnel, their three tight end personnel, really well. He threw it to the other tight ends on some seam routes and some open uh, uh, go routes and stuff like that, as well as spread the ball around with Edwards and Ruggs and so on and so forth. So that's a good sign because the Raiders do have multiple weapons. I think Derek was focused on or zeroed in on Darren Waller in week one almost to a fault. And it was fortunate enough they were able to win because there were a couple of throws that if they would have went just, just a little bit the other way, would have been turnovers, and that might have been disastrous. So um, it's good that they're spreading the ball around. And m- most definitely, I think it's good for Gruden to take notice of it because going forward, until they figure out this run game scenario or how they can get this run game going, um, he's got to spread the ball around and u- utilize all his other receivers. 
Wonder what you think of the Steelers. Obviously, they have been so good for so long. Big Ben's getting older, and are they still a legitimate contender, or they got to get through him playing it out and reload? I was over Big Ben three, four years ago, to be honest with you guys. But one thing I will tip my hat to, Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Steelers, has been a pillar of consistency. They found ways to win and make themselves credible. This offense for the Steelers, they don't have a running game, okay? The offensive line, and, and my son plays for the damn team, uh, the offensive line is in, in, in serious trouble. Um, they don't have any consistency up front. They have a hard time protecting big men, uh, and they have a hard time of being able to do anything other offensively than their short passing game. And what the Raiders noticed, especially in the first half of that Steelers game, is that Ben wanted to go with stop routes, hitch routes, you know, really quick routes. And when they took that away, he really had no he, – he, it, was, it was all of a sudden became 50-50 balls. Long story short to your question, I think the Steelers' offense is in trouble. And the fact that T.J. Watt left the game with a, with a groin injury, who knows how long he's going to be out with for. Uh, Melvin Ingram, who's replaced him, is not the same – player, impact player that T.J. Watt is. So the defense loses a little bit of their teeth. And they've got other injuries with Devin Bush, Joe Hayden, who's been playing the Raiders game. I think they are, they're still going to be competitive once they get those guys back. But in the interim, it's going to be hard for the Steelers to generate points. More importantly, it's going to be hard for the Steelers to get off the field defensively. You know, there's a uh, healthy debate raging between Bronco and Raider fans about whether Salt Lake is really a Bronco town or a Raider town. But oddly, the team that's on, not oddly, the team that's on every week is the Bucks. Both the Raiders and Broncos have not been on TV already. Is that right? The Bucks are on all the time because of Tom Brady. You're saying the, the Bucks stop here? Exactly. <laughs> oh, de- oh, 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 gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse than that, Lincoln. We try oh. to behave when you're on. There's oh. been a lot of crimes, <laughs> crimes committed against radio in your absence, trust me. Uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, that defense, is that uh, a championship-level defense? They've given up a lot of points through two games. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, it, I've always thought in my history of playing this game, I always thought it was a crime that the quarterback and the head coach get way too much praise when things go right and way too much blame when things go wrong. It's a team game. You know, you can't, you can't convince me that Tampa could go into Green Bay the quarterback can throw three interceptions and still walk out of there with a win if they didn't have a good defense. Defense is one. The defense won last year's Super Bowl for him. I know what Brady did with the touchdowns he threw. Okay, I get it. And I know where he's at. I'm not trying to take away from his shine. But the thing is that stands apart, especially with that team when I look at them, is the fact that their front four can get pressure. They can generate pressure with the guys up front. They don't have to blitz. And then the fact is the, the, the overall scheme of that defense negates a lot of things offensively that you can do. And that's, that's what took away from the Kansas City Chiefs last year. You know, but even Patrick Mahomes trying to extend plays with his legs, you know, he threw one pass where he hit one of his guys in, in the face mask, and he dropped it. I mean, <laughs> you can't sit there and tell me that that was Brady's doing or, you know, that was, that, was a, the, that offense. But So, I, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that it is a championship-caliber defense. And one thing I would definitely tip my hat for to, and unfortunately have to, is the fact that they were able to keep their entire team together. And uh, after winning a Super Bowl, I don't remember if that's ever been done before. You know what I mean? And so, you know, they, they, they had, they're coming back, and they're just as strong as ever. And, 
look, if they don't lose this week against the Rams, I have a hard time figuring out when they're going to drop one. They could very well go through the season unscathed. Wow, I got the schedule in front of you, and I had not considered that until you said it in a quick scan. I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Somebody will probably get them, but... Well, somebody probably will. But still, But at the same point, Brady and the Patriots went uh, undefeated until they, what, faced the Giants in the Super Bowl? Yep, it could happen. All right, we'll leave it right there. Lincoln, we appreciate it. We will see you on the uh, Ute game on Saturday afternoon, and then we'll hear you on the Raider game after that. I certainly appreciate it. And and, in the interim, tell your fans up there in Utah that I'm sorry they're not seeing anything other than Bucks games. (laughs) (laughs) It's the NFL. Come on. You're seeing you got six games a week you can see before you even buy the ticket. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's why the Bucks keep ending up. They're in all these primetime games. All right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Be well. Talk to you soon. All right. DJ and PK. Bucks and Rams this week, and then the Bucks to the Sunday night game the week after that. Keep, well, they play keep making sure. Uh, New England, so they made that oh, a Sunday night home, game. Yeah, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.